high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. Well, good afternoon. Hope your day is going great. Kind of up to you if it is, you know. It doesn't really matter what's going on outside if uh, you choose to have a good day. You know, most of the time, you can make it a good day. Because we really do pick, uh, we do pick how we, how we interpret things that go on around us. Maybe there's difficult things happening around you. But uh, how you and I react to those things, how we think about them, and what we do about them, yeah, it's totally up to us. So you can have a good day. You can make it a good day. <laughs> or you can choose to be wallowing in misery. Hopefully that's not you. Well, if it is, why don't you wallow with me for a while? Actually, no, we're not going to be wallowing. We're going to be talking today a little bit about how we talk to ourselves. But before we do that, oh, I have been looking forward to this. Thank you, Tanner and Katie, for getting me a bottle of Angel's Envy Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. It's finished in port wine barrels. Man, this stuff is really, really good. I think I'll pour a little bit right now. Oh, yeah. Just a little. Set that right over there out of the way. Clunk. That was three feet away from the microphone. You can still hear it. Guess what? I'm smoking today, too. I am enjoying a cigar from Drew Estates called a Genuine Kentucky Fire Cured Cigar. This one is called a Fat Molly. <laughs> 56 ring gauge, so that's probably about the size of your thumb, maybe a little bit bigger. And it's about five inches, so it's a for me, I smoke cigars really slowly. They're kind of a social thing. And even though I'm standing here in the recording studio alone, um, I am uh, imagining that you're here with me. So I wish you were. wish you were here. We could do. Uh, and, uh, and I wish you were here with me enjoying this cigar. I'd, I'd have one for you. I usually buy cigars in packs of five, sometimes boxes of 20 if they're really good. But I'll buy a pack of five so that I can give them away and, and enjoy cigars with other people and enjoy a good bourbon with other people. I just wish you were here, my friends. So I hope you're having a great day. And uh, I'm probably, I might be even thinking about you. It's not like we've got 50,000 people listening to these podcasts. So uh, it's likely I actually know you. And uh, and if I was, if I saw your name, I'd, I would uh, know exactly where you are and probably even a little bit what you're doing. So it's likely I know you. So I hope your day is going really, really well. Look forward to talking with you somewhere down the road. If we haven't talked for a while, uh, if you're hearing this podcast and you and I haven't had a chance to connect on the phone or something, hey, drop me a text or send an email. We'll hop on the phone together. I'd love to. I'd love to catch up with you. And we're going to be sharing some thoughts today while I enjoy this cigar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't quite get it lit all the way. Let's light this cigar once again. Got to warn everybody when you hear this. Oh yeah, that is not. A Zippo, it's a torch. It's a butane torch. It's a nice one. It was given to me uh, by my son, Jonathan. It's called a Scorch. 
You can get them on Amazon for like 30 bucks or something like that. They look like a little pistol almost. They're kind of cool. Lost my favorite torch. Um, accidentally left it in my in my uh, briefcase when I went through the dreaded TSA. And this was in uh, Sacramento, I think. That's the airport I was in. So if you work in TSA in Sacramento, please don't be offended by the description I'm just now going to lay out here. But as we went through, you know, the bag went through the the randomized <laughs> inspection. He reached in and found my torch, which was empty, actually empty, but I left it in there. And he pulled it out and waved it in the air and said, whose is this? And I saw, that's mine. I said, that's mine. He said, you know, he's, by the way, shouting from probably 20 feet away from me, maybe 30 feet away from me. Do you know this is illegal to carry this on an airplane? I said, it's empty. It's still illegal. Oh, my sarcastic DNA was barely kept in check. It's not always kept in check, but it was that moment. I was able to keep my mouth shut. And he said, do you want to come back through security and mail this to yourself? By the way, I may be exaggerating just slightly with the tone of his voice, but it sure felt like this. Or, he continued, do you want me to just throw it away? I said, throw it away. I'm not going back through security to mail home a wonderful cigar torch, which in and of itself, it was probably a $10 torch, but for some reason it was my favorite. I'd kept it for years. So he walked over and with great flourish and ceremony, looked at me, looked around at, at, the, at the crowd that was gathered and ceremoniously tossed it in the garbage with a flourish. <laughs> Okay, you do you, boo. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. However, Donnie Kitagua, who travels with me, did say it. You do you, boo. And the guy looked at him, and uh, we were already through security at that point, so uh, he wasn't about to chase us down and tackle Donnie to see if Donnie had a, a dreaded ballpoint pen or some other thing. Anyway, gotta love it. If you work for TSA... God bless you. <laughs> Most TSA folks are just delightful. But occasionally, they have the, the kind of a, I don't know, mall security guard kind of complex. So anyway, there we have it. I, I've vented. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm fine. As I walked away, walking toward our gate, of course, I had all sorts of editorial comments that I was sharing with Donnie. And anyone who would listen who walked parallel with me to the gate uh, about uh, how we have traded privacy for security and traded dignity <laughs> along with it. Ah, oh, frustrating. Speaking of dignity, Angel's Envy. Let's take a sip. Mm. Oh, I wish you were here, my friend. And of course you like bourbon, because if you don't like bourbon, it's likely you're not a friend of mine. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. I don't know how true that is. I should I should do a survey of all of my friends, all 11 or 12 of you, and find out if you like bourbon as well. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. Mm. I'll set that down because I'll just keep sipping it while we're talking. Yeah, but I will hold the cigar and enjoy it. You know, we talk to ourselves a lot. Are you talking to yourself right now as you kind of look around? Maybe you're driving while you're listening to this. Maybe you're actually sitting down doing nothing but listening to this. Or maybe it's in the background while you're doing something else. Uh, checking things off of your to-do list. Uh, 
not sure when you're listening to this or where you are listening to this, but it's likely you talk to yourself. Maybe not out loud. That's a little creepy. You probably have this inner voice that talks to you. It's, uh, some people call it your conscience, but I, I, don't, I don't think it's quite that deep. It, it's really more, it's more of an inner voice. I want to talk with you a little bit about how we talk to ourselves. So today's thought, let's call this three rules when talking to yourself. <laughs> so let's go. Here we go. Three rules when talking to yourself. So back in 1972, I was a sophomore, and I think I probably deserved the title. If you don't know what sophomore means, look it up, do the Google. Sitting still when I was a sophomore made me think and act stupidly. When I wasn't riding a horse or a tote goat, do you know what a tote goat is, by the way? It was like a dirt bike of sorts. It had a Briggs and Stratton engine on it, a kind of a square frame and round fat tires, and and we would use this tote goat to get around places on the property or wherever we were. So it was kind of fun. So if I wasn't riding a, a tote goat or, or maybe wondering about in 1972 now, remember, maybe I was wondering about the predicament that Gilligan found himself in on the island. If I wasn't doing those things, I was probably running. I loved running and running and running. <laughs> and so... My organized sports of choice were cross-country running and tennis. Frankly, both those sports gave me an excuse to leave the stultifying air of the last classes of the day a little early. <laughs> so early in my career, if you want to call it that, as an athlete, Coach Long and Coach Walker, cross-country and tennis coaches and both history teachers, respectively, each said the same thing to me. Most of this sport is in your head, they said. I didn't get that. Sure didn't feel like it, because my bursting lungs and my sore legs and my blistered feet weren't in my head. Here, take this, said Coach Walker, tossing me a paperback book after a significant loss and a more significant temper tantrum at the end of my first season's tennis tournament. Read this before you swing another racket. And he walked away. The Inner Game of Tennis by Timothy Galway was the most important book that I read in high school, maybe even in undergrad school. The simple ideas suggested by this storied player coach have shaped me in the decades since. Galloway's ideas are simple and profound. We talk to ourselves all the time. We have an inner narrator whose commentary about us and about everything around us is not usually all that helpful. In fact, he or she can be downright rude and destructive, especially when we don't perform well. Listen to how your inner narrator, which is your own voice, talks to you when you make a mistake. Most often, that inner narrator is critical of missteps and of errors. Usually, he's also judgmental. Test this idea. If you spoke exactly to your friends the way your inner narrator speaks to you after a mistake, how long do you think that person would still be your friend? So recall the last time you were late or burned the toast, or stepped back rather than stepping up, politely veiled the truth, or quit early, or 
left early or ate too much or listened too little or took the credit for someone else's idea. What did your inner narrator say to you when you spilled the coffee or spilled the beans or spoiled the moment or stole the limelight? Did your narrator have a fine time unloading criticism on you? In the years since my high school tennis and cross-country experiences, I've learned a great deal from Galloway's ideas. I know that actors and athletes and parents and presidents all perform better, much better, in fact, when they practice these three disciplines. First, they recognize the voice of their inner narrator. They learn to hear the tone of the continual narration, and they step back and they carefully listen to what they say to themselves. Second, they change the tone of their inner narrator's voice from that of a critic to a neutral observer. They make a mistake, and rather than muttering, Wow, I can't believe you did that. What were you thinking? The inner narrator-turned-observer says, That was a mistake, period. Better yet, the inner voice simply observes the mistake without judgment. The voice changes from the accusatory you to the direct I. I spilled my coffee. I'm ten minutes late. I missed that important detail. I interrupted someone. My mind wandered. Period. No commentary. No deep, judgmental roll of the eyes. <laughs> Just observations. So remember, first, they recognize the voice of the inner narrator. That was second. They changed the tone of the inner narrator from a critic to a neutral observer. Here's the third thing. They silence the voice completely. I find this to be the most difficult of the three steps suggested by Galloway. It's also the one with the biggest payoff. Silencing the inner critic or observer and just living in the moment is what all high-performance athletes practice regardless of the arena. It's what everyone who thrives under pressure does. It takes a while to learn this discipline, but it makes all the difference. So, next time you screw up, notice how you talk to yourself. Would you talk to someone you love that way? If not, practice these three disciplines. First, notice the inner narrator. Second, if you must narrate your life, be an unbiased and non-judgmental observer. After that approach becomes more natural, begin to work on silencing that inner narrator completely, especially during high-stakes moments. Timothy Galloway was really onto something. It's pretty amazing. Think about it a little bit. Notice how often you actually talk to yourself. I'm going to talk out loud about this one as I sip another little bit of the angel's envy. Mm -hmm. No ice in this one. I'm drinking it out of one of those beautiful Norlin glasses. Googleize it. Go look for the Norlan, N-O-R-L-A-N, glasses. You can get them in pairs, which is the way that they should be purchased, because you always want to share bourbon or scotch with someone else. And I think I'm just about finished with this really good Drew Estates. Let me read the label again, make sure I say it correctly. The Drew Estates Kentucky Fire Cured Cigar. But this one is the sweet. You can get them in two different kinds. There's the sweet, and then there's the standard one. This one's sweet. It's not really sweet, just has a slightly different taste to the wrapper. 
It's a wonderful cigar. Well, there you go, my friend. Wish you were here when I had this conversation with you face-to-face and could have learned some fun things from you. Hope your day is going great. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining me in today's School of Leadership. This podcast is part of the Archimedes Experiment, leveraged wisdom from the world's most effective leaders. If you're interested in more, go to my website, dhicks.com. Remember, my first name has only one E. Well, you'll find more short and helpful podcast books and blog posts. If this was helpful, maybe even share it with some of your friends. Have a great day.